Welcome to the Ray Harryhausen podcast, the show dedicated to the life, career and films of a special effects titan. Join us as we host in-depth discussions about the work, influences and legacy of this uniquely talented filmmaker. Brought to you by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, we will be delving into Ray's archive to bring a unique insight into his work, including exclusive audio from the man himself. We will be joined by special guests for retrospectives, exclusive announcements and competitions, so this podcast is a must-listen for all fans of the world of Ray Harryhausen, animation and classic filmmaking. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Ray Harryhausen podcast, so possibly some champagne, some baby sham or depending on the budget, some lemonade. I'm joined by Connor Heaney, our collections manager. Hello Connor. Hi John. And I'm John Walsh, I'm the trustee or one of the four trustees of the Ray Harryhausen Foundation. Now this episode we're going to be talking again about um, our summer travels, so whilst everyone else has been sat in traffic um, (laughs) or in a caravan somewhere, we've been off, we've been abroad for a week at the Cine Strange Festival in Germany, in Braunschweig, um, from the 6th to the 11th of September, which was the longest time we've ever been allowed out, as it were, on our own, abroad, with a couple of models from the collection. So we'll be talking a bit about that, and we'll be catching up with some of the people who were at the festival as well, including Caroline Monroe and Martin Beswick, who seem to have followed us there, um, film director Mark Lester, and John Landis, who was being specially honoured at the festival so it was an interesting time but Connor do you want to tell everyone what it was we were doing out there because it was something again quite special and different wasn't it? Yes we uh, were selected to attend the Cine Strange Festival to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the film Earth vs the Flying Saucers. Now it's a Ray Harryhausen classic it's uh, a movie that we've done a podcast already about this year but we wanted to do something very different and special so we were there to present the European premiere of the colourised version of the film in front of a public audience and we want to mark this event by doing something extra special so we actually had with us two of the flying saucers from the film. Now getting those to Germany and in front of the crowd at Sinistrange was a really interesting and exciting event. Everybody wanted their, their picture of the flying saucers. The great thing about the saucers from that movie is that they haven't changed at all in 60 years. The craftsmanship, the design by Ray and the fact that they were created by Ray's father, Fred, who was a a machinist, has meant that they have really lasted the test of time. You would never guess that these were 60-year-old models from a movie made in 1956. So at the Strange Festival, we put on a very special presentation discussing the history of the film with many unseen images from the archive. As most people will know, it was a film which didn't have a huge budget and didn't have a massive time frame to be shot under so a lot of Ray's storyboards and sketches were really done in a very shorter time frame than he might have liked and this led to some very interesting decisions being made. We have many alien designs as most people will know the aliens in that film were men in suits which is something that Ray very rarely undertook throughout his film career. He preferred to have animated characters and creatures in all of his films but in this instance the aliens, for budgetary reasons, were put into suits, but Ray had designs, numerous different kinds of designs, for the aliens that he foresaw inside his flying saucers. So it was interesting to explore that, and interesting to explore a lot of Ray's key designs, drawings, and storyboards from that movie. 
So to talk about these unique pieces of art before seeing a screening of the film in colour and in German, because of course we were in the middle of Germany, so the, the film was, was dubbed into German, which in itself was a very interesting experience, was very unique and a very special way to mark the 60th anniversary of a classic film. Indeed it was, and the last um, sort of, was it 60 or 90 seconds of the film suddenly click back into English as the, the young couple... The, the doctor and his wife are on the beach playing footsie in the sand. It goes back to English. Different people had different views as to why that was. I suspect to keep it family friendly and because to avoid any accusations of a foot fetish, it was it was cut from the uh, from the print. Other people think no. Germany at the time were quite keen on more sombre endings. So there's no definitive answer on that. I'm sure there's a, a freedom of information request somewhere in the in the pipeline to find out what exactly happened. But it looks spectacular. The film looked fantastic. And uh, it was great to see it on the big screen again after 60 years and in colour and in Germany where, uh, where Ray originally uh, came from. Now, Ray wasn't the only person out there who was having science fiction and strange films shown. It was a festival of strange and unusual projects. And uh, Luigi Cozzi was there, who was the director of Star Crash, which is a film that kind of divides fans. People either like it a lot or don't, <laughs> to put it politely. Um, what it has got is a terrific score by John Barry, and we found out the, the story behind that. But let's, let's have a listen to Luigi, because he chatted to us about Ray Harryhausen, and uh, he chatted to you, didn't he, Connor, about the influences Ray had on his, uh, on his career. That's right. Over the course of the festival, um, of course, we, we managed to catch up with Luigi over breakfast and over dinner. And he had so many memories of Ray Harryhausen. He actually went to see Earth vs. the Flying Saucers in Italy as a young man. He went to see it five times in a week on its original release, which shows you what a, what a fan of science fiction he is and how deeply he treasures these memories of Ray Harryhausen. And he has some particularly interesting stories about the influence of race films on his movies, including Star Crash, and in particular the movie First Men in the Moon, which is very special to Luigi, and of course is one of Ray's most well-known science fiction projects. So let's listen to Luigi now, Luigi Cozzi discussing his memories of Ray Harryhausen and the influence on his work. Luigi, you had a very interesting story about your memories of Ray Harryhausen's classic film, First Men in the Moon. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yes, uh, it's a picture I really love uh, as a young guy when I saw it. It was terrific and it was science fiction. It, uh, it gave me the idea that with Harryhausen's uh, technical system, you could really do a big science fiction adventure because it had the space, uh, it had another planet, it had the uh, inner moon landscape, gigantic. Uh, you had a, a giant creature and the terrific scenes. Uh, it was uh, like uh, uh, gla glass uh, containers with bubbles inside, you know, it was look at huge on the screen in Panavision you know and it it was I realized it was done with nothing practically because it was not expensive but it did really look terrific and it had the beautiful wheel which is creating the energy 
which was another thing which really fascinated me because uh, Harryhausen gave uh, a sense of wonder of uh, another planet, you know, and uh, the music uh, being used in those sequences I really like it. It's the same music which I used uh, on Star Crash doing the working, working, uh, editing it, because uh, it, it gave the felt, a feeling of something great, something alien, something uh, wonderful. And so I, from that moment on, I had in my mind the idea, which uh, Rayhausen system could be used to make sci-fi big movie, you know, big space adventure movie. And uh, when I found a guy who d did work uh, with the same basic system and with stop motion, I had the, the firm conviction that uh, if I could find a producer, I had the man who could help me create the alien worlds. And we did uh, Star Crash using uh, mostly of the tricks uh, I realized watching uh, First Man in the Moon, you know, it's... Uh, and the, my, my, even my script, uh, and the, the first uh, draft of my script uh, had the giant wheel uh, creating energy and things like that, which were really taken from First Man in the Moon. Then I realized it was too much similar. <laughs> I had better change it. it. But uh, I, my first story was recreating some of the great scenes of that picture. And of course, um, we're here at the Cine Strange Festival where your classic movie Star Crash has been celebrated. Uh, there's a scene in that which is quite similar to the, to the tale of scene from <laughs> Jason and the Argonauts. Were you looking specifically for a location which reminded you of Ray Harryhausen's vision in Jason and the Argonauts? Yes, with... Uh, I had the idea of that scene, which was absolutely patterned after Ariausen. Ariausen's scene is a masterpiece. Our was not a masterpiece scene, but it was a good scene uh, with action. And uh, when I, we started the searching location for our picture, I immediately thought uh, of Ariausen Palinuro because I heard on the, I read on a big book Ariausen had published with his sketches that he had shot that uh, on uh, Palinuro, which is south uh, of Naples. And so we went to Palinuro to, because I wanted to do the scene with the same place he had made it, with the arch, with the rock arch, which is beautiful. But once we were there, we discovered that uh, that place uh, could be reached only by sea, by boat. And uh, Ariausen, uh, uh, the guy we 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 hired a guy, uh, a sailor or local sailor, which brought us to that place to see it. And uh, while bringing us with his boat there, he started to tell uh, because he, he had hired his boats uh, years before to an American crew. And, uh, and I realized it was Harryhausen crew. He, he had uh, uh, brought Harryhausen to Palinuros, you know. And he started talking us about uh, this crew, these Americans, uh, what they had done. And it was a fantastic uh, hearing for me, you know, because uh, Harryhausen was my 
one of my idols, cinema idols. And uh, when we went to the Palinur Arc, uh, Rock uh, Arch, where they shot uh, with Talos, the scene with Talos, uh, it, we realized uh, that uh, we couldn't use it because it was a wonderful place with, with sand like velvet. It was fantastic. But uh, uh, it could be uh, reached only by, by sea, by boats. So we had to bring there a big uh, launch ship uh, which had crashed on that planet. And it was a big uh, wooden thing, you know. And uh, it would have needed big uh, boats to bring it over to that place because there was no street nearby. It was very isolated place. And so we had to discard uh, to the possibility of shooting because we had not such a big budget to hire big boats to bring the lunch. Excellent. What an interesting story that it came so, so yes. close. And just one final question. As we approach the celebrations of Ray's 100th birthday, how important do you think it is that Ray Harryhausen's work is remembered in 2016 and beyond? Well, I think it's still a marvel, you know. It's, uh, um, there is nothing like his work done after he left uh, the field. His work is unique. It's a piece of art uh, divided in several movies. Uh, he, is, he is unique and I don't, don't know if will be ever be another Rary Housen because the techniques have changed and now they are digitals and uh, even if they try to do the equivalent uh, of stop motion with digital it's not the same thing in uh, Ariausen put uh, himself uh, uh, his heart uh, his ability his personality in his creatures his creatures have his personality uh, even as an actor you know it's uh, Think of the mir dying on the Colosseum. He dies like a Rothschild in Waterloo. He never wants to die. He gets up, uh, he gets down, he gets up again. You know, and it's a long scene. You know, like uh, when an actor is overacting. You know, and uh, you cannot get that uh, by software. You know, that's personality. That's talent, and that's uh, why I think Rayhausen is and will be probably unique. Well, we agree completely. Luigi, thank you so much for sharing your Ray Harryhausen memories with us today. Bye. Now, of course, many fans will know Star Crash because it stars Caroline Monroe, a trustee with the Foundation, and star of The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Star Crash was also screened at the festival, and regardless of what you think of that film, it was fantastic on the big screen. Seeing it also dubbed into German, so colourful and a lot of fun, and it was really great to hear Luigi and Caroline meet. After so many years, they, they, they were able to meet up and host a Q&A on the film, and it was just fantastic to hear their memories of filming Star Crash and to listen to, to that film's legacy as well. I think the most telling thing that came out, though, I asked um, Luigi about the John Barry music, you know, because it seemed a, I don't know, a strange kind of fit, because the music on its own actually sounds very good, but it doesn't quite fit with the film and the kind of the, uh, if people know about spotting music to a film, you know that uh, John Barry's music kind of 
strangely sits above the film. Um, I asked Luigi what happened, you know, how did you get John Barry? And he said originally he tempt tracked the film, so he used temporary music from other films with Bernard Herrmann music from some of Ray's films, Mysterious Island and Jason the Argonauts. He then showed that tempt track version of the edits with that music on it to Ennio Morricone, uh, the very, very famous Italian film composer who's still working today and does concerts and actually picked up an Oscar last year, didn't he? A very special Oscar. He looked at it and says, no, 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 this is terrible. I cannot, you know, I cannot work like this. If you want Bernard Herrmann, go to Bernard Herrmann. So he refused because he didn't want to effectively ape that score. It was shown to John Barry and notes came back saying, yes, you know, I can work with you on this. And that's how it's um, actually happened. So the final score doesn't sound anything like a Bernard Herrmann score, but... Um, but there you go, who knew? And Caroline and others gathered didn't know that story. But um, it's official, it's from the man himself, from Luigi Cozzi. Well, as I say, it was wonderful to catch up with Luigi and hear his memories of Ray Harryhausen. A really lovely man and a man who's directed some very interesting films. Now, also at the Sinestrange Festival, we were able to catch up for a chat with Professor Rolf Giesen. Now, Rolf was a friend of Ray Harryhausen's and was able to set up a number of exhibitions of Ray's work in Germany throughout the 1990s and early 2000s. Rolf was good enough to share his memories of Ray with us, as well as give us his thoughts on the colourised version of Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. People of Earth, attention! People of Earth, attention! When Roland Emmerich was making uh, Godzilla at the MGM studios. I was in touch with Emmerich and his visual effects supervisor Volker Engel and I, Ray and his wife Diana, they were in Los Angeles. So I sent them, I said, go and visit them. And they were at the front gate of MGM and they were turned down. They said, uh, they phoned and no, no, they don't know you and go away and you are not invited, you wouldn't have a pass. And then later, Roland Emmerich and Volker Engel learned that Ray was there and he was, oh my God, he said, how could it be possible to send them away? They even had a little clip in Godzilla from it. It came from beneath the sea, course, yeah. but the, the creator of, in a way, of Godzilla, who was sent away, was in, incredible. And um, we also went to Harryhausen, so we tried to find out about the ancestry. And there is a village not far away from this place, from Hanover, the village of Harryhausen. In Germany, we spell it instead of Y, I, E. And we went to the village of Harryhausen, went to the church, and it was such a village, small, and he said, nobody was to be seen. And he said, I can imagine that my ancestors left this place. This is another coffin nail, and it is so boring here. Uh, we don't know exactly where the family came from. Maybe it was the Braunschweig mm. area. This name, Harryhausen, is quite common here. And uh, we never really found it out, uh, but um, uh, many people in the 19th century left for the poor conditions in Germany. Um, they went to Salt Lake City or somewhere. They shipped in the harbour of Bremen or Hamburg uh, to leave Germany. Rolf, if I can take you back to Roland Emmerich, we've got yeah. a very special screening of a film tonight. You were telling me earlier that, that how does this film connect with Roland Emmerich's 
big film. Yes, Tell me uh, about that. Uh, Emmerich, of course, liked to, to copy films, and of course he knew race films. And I always was convinced, and we had it in Kurt Siotmark's memoirs, that Earth vs. the Flying Saucers is the blueprint for independence. It sure is, if the, the White House scenes are very similar, the structure is very similar, only the budget. The budget, of course, is different. Ray did it for pennies, and Roland Emmerich needed millions to do it. And so the, it is clearly the blueprint. There is no other film that, that really is uh, Washington, D.C. is attacked, and uh, uh, this is the main, uh, um, the, the main purpose, I think. And uh, uh, I know that Emmerich saw, saw this movie, of course, as a child. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I'm, I'm sure uh, uh, this is the blueprint. But nobody, I think, nobody ever mentioned this, and um, I wonder why. So Ray has influenced many people, but this the main influence is his main influence is independence. And when I we talked about in independence there, Ray said he, he smiled and he laughed and said there never will be a spaceship miles, miles long yeah. miles long miles long. And um, he's, um, he was always uh, for for the little things when we then met um, Colin Arthur at um, during the making of the, in, uh, the Never Ending Story Part Two in Munich in the mm. Bavaria Studios. We came out of the workshop and he said, um, the, the, "These things needn't to be that big, that large. So little, mm. large." He said, uh, "We um, then it is a better control." Now this screening tonight, of course, it's a film that people have seen. It's a 60th anniversary screening, but something special about it is something that's been unseen before in a public audience. So, what's special about it? Why is this a premiere other than the 60th anniversary? How are people seeing it differently tonight? The, the colorization. I always know that that way said we long before these films got colorized. We said always that when they went to Rome, they wanted to see all the European locations. Said this movie should have been in color. Mm. We had all these magnificent Roman locations, and we only had black and white. And that would have been have for twenty million miles to Earth. Twenty million miles to Earth. And uh, this one, of course, I think. Compare com, with a comparison to uh, Independence Day, which was color, and even War of the Worlds in 1953 was color. Uh, I think it will be um, a new experience. Excellent. Thanks very much, Rolf. Appreciate your time uh, today. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for us. Thank you. Never before has the screen reached such heights of excitement, breathtaking spectacle, hair-raising terror. See the saucer man's high-frequency disintegrator. See flying saucers travel thousands of miles in seconds. Moving, moving straight on, of course, uh, Caroline was there with Martin Beswick from One Million Years BC. The two make a fantastic double act, and uh, as we said in the last podcast, if you ever get a chance to see these two together, uh, it's a really entertaining pair that, that, that they make. But we were able to catch up with Caroline and Martin to discuss their memories of Ray Harryhausen and their thoughts on the Cine Strange Festival. So let's hear from Caroline and Martine now. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. Washington, London, Paris, Moscow are key targets. The whole world is under attack. 
We're at Sam. We're in. We're, we're in another country. We, aren't we? are. We're in Germany in, in Bunch Bunchbike, something like that. For a very special festival. For a very special festival, Cine Strange, and we've been here for a couple of days. And the boys, Martina and I, have been here for two days already, and they've shown various stuff, our work, and and the boys have been here showing Ray's flying saucers, the original, original, the only, uh, along with the. Along with the flying saucers, and then uh, John Landis joined us. I think yesterday oh, evening. Mm-hmm. So, so the you know it's it's been an amazing, lovely time, and the and the town is so beautiful, and the people very warm and friendly, mm-hmm. and the journalists great. So we've done a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of publicity and things. So. And it's lovely because John Landis, of course, is a great friend of Ray Harryhausen. Very We consider good friend. him a friend of the foundation. And of course, he's so so positively, so so much a part of the foundation. And he was. Ray used to stay. Ray and Diana stayed a lot with them oh. in California and Vanessa. Um, so so they're very um, old family friends. Yeah. And finally, to finish off on, some very positive news, because last night something very special happened, didn't it? Tell us about um, how you were honoured brightly last <laughs> night. It's quite oh. funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's hard to... because it's me. So um, it was. it's odd to talk about it, but yes, they gave me some lovely... I don't know, scroll, it was a, like an award, but... Yeah, I felt very humbled, and they showed a lot of my work and stuff that I'd never seen from when I was about 16... Um, so it was lovely. Very, I feel very touched. Something, no. yes. yes. I, th- I thought you only got that just before you were going to pop your clogs. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But but I felt very honoured. And well, they were so you sweet. Need a body of work, so yeah. people are always. Well, we've done a lot of work. We've, yeah. been, we've been around a long time. So yeah, re- I really, you know, I felt very humbled and honoured for that. It's lovely. And I was saying to Martine that, of course, you're in a very exclusive club because. Um, in your case, Caroline, you're you're a Bond girl. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you still like the tag girl or Bond lady? How do you girl? Guess, well, guess girl, girl sounds very young. Yeah. We but, like but it that. It seems right, and doesn't it, it? In that context, it is right. It's always yeah. been. It's always it's been. Really and and why I think, change it now? And yeah. I think Judy Dench considers herself a Bond girl. Good news. Yeah. And the Queen. Yes, the Queen. I mean, is a Bond yes, girl. I'm sorry. she is the ultimate, ultimate. Her Absolutely. Majesty. Her Majesty Excuse is a me. Bond girl. It's good enough. It's good it, enough for me and Connor as well. Exactly. It has to be pretty cool, we doesn't it? Girls. That. I mean, that is really something. So you're, you're a Bond girl. You're, you're a Hammer girl, and I you're a Harryhausen girl. Yes. So wow. Same, same. Yeah. So yeah. that's you know that's that's a that's a unique club, isn't it? I well, it it's it is very special, um, mm-hmm. and we look on it as being very special and very lucky. I just always when I think. For me personally, um, it, it, it's a strange thing to, to be this much older and to think about the, the work that I've done and the people I've been lucky enough to meet and to work with. And it's, 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 it's brilliant. Never thought my life would lead me this path. Um, but it's been very... I've had a lovely journey so far. Mm. And now we journey on together, yeah. doing things like the festivals. Yes. And, and because we've done the three genres, yes. it's great. And like Martine, you, you sat down with Ray and looked at your very special film with him and recorded a commentary I track did. for the very first time, the only commentary exactly. track for Golden Voyage. And that was quite recently, wasn't it? Yes, and I wonder who did the commentary track. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. gone, he's gone all modest now. It was himself, it was John Walsh who actually made that happen. And how many people did you uh, make it happen with? 
well, the commentary. Well, you'd... we recorded with um, a few of Ray's films. John Landis sat in for one yeah. project. Yeah. Um, oh. The brilliant Colin Arthur. Colin special Arthur, effects, special effects. Man. Sinbad did our um, vizier. Randy Cook, who's a stop-motion animator. Yeah, Randy. And uh, Vanessa sat in um, with my... Um, the Valley of Guanji, she sat in, Vanessa Aww. Harriet, and, uh, and the brilliant Martine Beswick for <laughs> One Million Years BC. So, And she was quite cheeky and naughty and lovely. Her, her lovely usual self, I believe. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Well, Ray loved that. He loved, you know, reuniting it. As much as he was a collector of things, he was a collector of friendships as mm. well. Oh, he so mm. was. He was such a people person. He was a lovely man and very modest. And I just remember if we we went to... A lovely show called Wonderfest and I was there with Ray and Diana was there. Vanessa wasn't there. And and we sat there and people would come up and adore him and say, Well your work, you know, your genius, you're that he said, Am I? You know, he was just he was just amazed that people would love him so much. Mm-hmm. But he was loved and, and 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 genius by loved by not only his fans, his legions of fans but by filmmakers alike I mean Peter Jackson Tim Burton Spielberg James Cameron so many that honour and follow keep his work going and John Landis of course brilliant John Landis yes. who's here at the festival who's here and we're going to honour him tonight I believe and I think in an industry that's kind of so famous for having takers Ray was someone who really gave it oh himself. he gave he gave he gave ultimately because he was a one man band I always think of him as a one man band because he did the film worked with the directors and the actors then he'd take it away and he'd, then he'd go and he'd like a sorcerer he'd work his magic and and so he yeah he's very passionate. And about took the time to reply to fans, would write back, no. would answer his own phone. Oh. When I rang Did him up he? Did he? Oh, this is Ray Harryhausen. How sweet! So, wow. Yeah. But, um, but Caroline Monroe, thank you very much, thank for Martin you. Beswick. Uh, thanks for speaking thank to us. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank, thank you. you. And congratulations again on your award. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, I just uh, I was lovely. I was close to tears. I was so excited well, and thrilled for you. I'm really, I it was just. It is a bit funny though, isn't it? I, I, mean, I was so kind of thrilled for you. Oh. I mean, I just and I, and, I, and I, it's my friend is getting an award. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, Martine. Now tell me about Cine Strange in Germany. We're here at the Cine Strange Festival, and we're having a great time. Why, why are you here at Cine Strange? Well, because I was invited, and because at, invited to be adored. <laughs> but also, um, it's it's lovely actually. Um, yeah, no, I was invited, and I just thought it sounds like a lovely idea. And Caroline was coming, and Jane was coming, and I thought, oh, ah, the girls together, you know. So, and I'm having a lovely, lovely time, and doing a lot of interviews and photographs and signings and lots of things. It's just we're having a lovely time. And coincidentally, we're here with a different Harryhausen film, so it's interesting that we kind of bump into each other in that genre because we have Earth vs. the Flying Saucers here at the festival. <gasps> oh. So it's interesting, isn't it, that we kind of say hello. When we oh, meet. yes. I know. I'm very happy to see you both. I'm really, really happy to see and meeting Connor for the first time. That was really cool. So I love it. We've had two sessions. This is our second session together. Very nice. Excellent. Well, thanks for taking the time, Martin right. Beswick. You're very welcome. We are the survivors of a disintegrated solar system. At this moment, the remainder of our fleet is circling your globe. Now, out in Sinistrange, you also caught up with um, one of our competition winners um, who was a, a close uh, runner-up, didn't you? Yes, uh, Lars Seifert, who finished third in our 
logo competition, um, was was able to attend the Sinistrange Festival. Now, you, you would have heard on our podcast last month, episode 9, we caught up with the competition's winner, Michael Tharm. But the competition was, it was very close. Uh, the trustees had a really tough time deciding which of the entries would finish in the top five, let alone in first place. So Lars did a fantastic job in finishing in third place. And um, as part of his competition prize, he was sent a copy of the, the limited edition book, Ray Harryhausen, A Life in Pictures. And he was kind enough to get back to us with a picture of himself as his competition prize. And he also let it be known that he was going to be attending the Cine Strange Festival to catch this unique screening of Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. So we didn't want to miss an opportunity to catch up with Lars, to to thank him for entering our competition and also to record his thoughts for our podcast. So what you're about to hear is an interview with Lars about his Ray Harryhausen memories, about Ray's influence on his own career and about his inspiration behind the design in which he did such a fantastic job for our logo competition. Arrange for your world leaders to confer with us in the city of Washington. We've had a chance to catch up with one of our fantastic local competition winners, Lars Seifert. How are you, Lars? Fine, thank you, Pan. Excellent, and thanks for coming today. Thanks for coming to see us and to chat with us a bit about your your competition entry and your history as a Ray Harryhausen fan. So, could you start by telling us your earliest memories of Ray's films? I think the first film I ever saw was I was about six years old or something. And we in Germany we had special screenings in television for Saturday or Sunday afternoon uh, television shows, and they showed uh, all the Sinbad, Sinbad movies. And I think The Seventh Voyage was my first ever Ray Harryhausen film. It's, a, seen, yeah. it's a wonderful film. Yeah, and was this great. dubbed in German or was this yeah, so always, it always dubbed in German? And I think today, if I if I watch it today, it's a little bit cheesy. The the dubbing, it's like uh, because it was done in the in the fifties, I think. Really? So this was like mono and different kind of uh, yeah dubbing techniques. It's and quite interesting. Yeah. Then so. I take it you eventually saw the English versions yeah, as well. Of so how did that feel to see the films that you'd watched so many times uh, in a different language? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite similar. The the tone of the the voices and everything. So yeah, I so think it's uh, very good compared to. Uh, to so each they other. did a good job of the dubbing. Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah. And you grew up. You went on to become an animator yourself. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's so right. So how did race films influence you in becoming an animator? Um, yeah, because uh, I think uh, the race films would be uh, always my favorite because I love stop motion as a medium, as a technique, mm-hmm. uh, animation technique. I love all this uh, Tim Burton stuff and uh, Artman animations and everything. But I never got to used to uh, to do my own stop motion. I always like to draw and animate uh, drawings. And today I do everything on the tablet, on the Cintiq, uh, digitally. But I'm still into uh, 2D animation only. But uh, stop motion is always like a miracle. If you see it on screen, like and even today with all the high definition and the crisp and clear and sharp images, it's, it's great to see stop motion again. And uh, recently I saw a HD version of one of Ray Harryhausen's films, that was uh, Clash of the Titans, I think. And it was very good restored in HD and it looked very cool. Like the animation was still magic to see. <laughs> so what kind of projects have you worked on as, as an animator? Is there anything um, that is tied back to the films you watched as a child? Um, not really. I, I At first I did my own stuff, right? I did like a little bit like horror. I liked horror movies much. Mm. and uh, did like my scary little animation uh, drawings. 
But after that, I went on to do some stuff for German television, like like children's TV, so cute characters mm. and funny stuff. And uh, right now, I, I'm working as a freelancer. I'm, I do my own stuff too, and I like uh, yeah, I like to do flash animation, like like vector graphics, like snappy, like cartoony stuff. Warner Brothers. Yeah, this is my my thing. <laughs> so the opportunity to design a logo for our Harryhausen 100 competition is quite a nice way of you being able to express yourself yeah. um, and yeah. remember the films that you've grown up with. Yeah. Can you tell us the inspiration that went behind your design? Your design was very yeah, crisp and clean. Yeah. The Kraken. Yeah. Yeah, I I like this character character very much because Clash um, of the Titans is my favorite. So uh, I began to, to draw some other stuff like, like the owl from Clash of the Titans and uh, King Kong like, like this monkey from uh, the ape from uh, what was from it? Mighty, uh, Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. Yeah, so. And um, some UFOs too and then combined them. But I thought the, the Kraken is so iconic for Ray Harryhausen especially. First I, I thought about the Medusa, doing the Medusa, but it was too tricky with all the snakes. And I wanted to do a lo like a logo style, like um, stylistic yeah. uh, version, not so much like an illustration. And yeah, so I chose the Kraken and did it with, with Flash too, with, with like a vector. Okay, so that's how you did yeah. the actual design was that? On the computer, oh. right on the computer. And you'll have seen on our Facebook page all of the other designs, you'll have seen how diverse they were. And that's yeah. what we were most impressed with it. Every entry we got was so different from the last yeah. one. It made it very difficult to pick a top three, and you were you were one of the top three, so well done yeah. there. But you you see so many different designs. Some were traditional logos, others were more like illustrations. Mm -hmm. Others were com you know completely unique with lots yeah. of different creatures in them. So um, it was it was really fantastic to see how much creativity that Ray has inspired in 2016. So many so many years on. Um, on that note, we're here today to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. Do you have any strong memories of that particular film? I think I saw this movie very late, I think a few years ago, the black and white version, but it was never on television in Germany, okay. so I had to rent a DVD, or I don't know, from. but uh, yeah, I saw it the first time and I thought, yeah, it's great because it's the inspiration to one of my favorite movies, it's Mars Attacks from Tim Burton. Me too. <laughs> One of I my love, favorites. I, I love everything Tim Burton, so this is, uh, fits very well. <laughs> Wonderful. And have you seen the interview with Tim Burton and Ray Harryhausen? Yeah, it's just so it's great. incredible to see Tim Burton as the yeah. fan. So so excited so to cool, meet yeah. to meet his hero. Uh, so so you've never seen the color version? No. Never. Oh well, you're in for a treat tonight because that's what we're screening here oh. at the Cine Strange Festival um, with some of the original flying saucers as well. Cool. Um, and it's wonderful to be celebrating a film 60 years on. I mean, how many films from 1956 are still being celebrated right. on the big screen? It's, right. uh, it's really wonderful to be here. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Lars. It's been a really interesting conversation, and we hope you enjoy the film tonight. Thank you, Connor. Thank you. They set up an electronic screen. The artillery doesn't penetrate. Now, I remember in the 80s watching various Arnold Schwarzenegger films, and interestingly, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a name that was in the uh, in the air for Perseus in Clash of the Titans. So he was very nearly cast as Perseus. Now, in the 80s, of course, it was the golden era for um, Mr. Schwarzenegger with, with Conan the Barbarian and Raw Deal and Red Heat and Terminator and Total Recall and True Lies. Uh, but one of the films that's perhaps kind of controversial because of its status in Germany um, was Commando or Phantom Commando, it was, it was called in Germany, which was... Um, which was banned for several years. Now you caught up, didn't you, Connor, with um, with Mark L. Lester, the director of that film, because he was receiving a special honour, wasn't he, at the festival? 
Yes, Mark's film career was being celebrated. He won a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Strange Festival uh, for his classic films, Commando, Class of 1984, Showdown in Little Tokyo, some really fantastic action movies from the 1980s. But Mark was another one of those guests that we just caught up with in passing over breakfast or over dinner or, or at the, the many red carpet events that we attended across the week. And he let us know what, what a big Ray Harryhausen fan that he was. And as well as celebrating the classic action movies which Mark Lester has directed, it was interesting to listen to his memories as a, as a young man growing up watching Ray Harryhausen films. He approached us to tell us how much he loved The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, Earthfish as the Flying Saucers and so many others. We thought it would be a fantastic opportunity to hear how Ray influenced him as a child and how, in fact, some of his later films have been inspired by Ray Harryhausen and his memories of Ray's work. So have a listen to legendary director Mark L. Lester. So we're here at the Cine Strange Festival with legendary director Mark Lester. Mark, you're being celebrated this weekend for your classic films Commando and Class of 1984, but at the same time we're here to show a 60th anniversary screening of Earth vs. the Flying Saucers, and we got chatting about some of your memories of Ray Harryhausen's early films. Can you remember seeing Earth vs. the Flying Saucers as a child? Yes, it was one of my favourite films, and I remember the saucers crashing into the uh, to the monuments in Washington, and I mean that movie was amazing when I was a kid. And, you know, I loved it. It was one of my favorite films of all time. And then, you know, especially the other movie, too, Beast to 20,000 Fathoms. I mean, the image of that roller coaster, because I saw it with my father when I was a little kid. And we saw it numerous times. And when they, they go up on that roller coaster to fight that beast, it was, like, totally amazing when that dinosaur goes tramping through the city. It was like, yeah, that was, like, so etched in my memory as a kid. So you saw a lot of Ray's black and white classics from the 1950s as they were released? Yes, in the premieres in the movie theater. I would rush to the theater to see the movies when they came out. That's so wonderful. I was like 10, 11 years old, so they were like, really to a young boy like that, they were made a huge impression. And how long was it before you became aware of the fact that it was one man creating all of these special effects, the name Harryhausen, how, how long was it before you realised that that was actually the person behind all of these films? Well, later when I started to do movies professionally, you know, then I looked back and went, wow, the Ray Harryhausen did all these films, and I, of course, became a huge fan of his, but as a little kid, no, I mean, you just watched the movie and you were like, wow, this is awesome, but you didn't really connect that person to it, mm. you know. But the film, did the film stand out in terms of their special effects compared to other films that you were watching around the... Yes, no, they were always super unique, so, like, you knew that it was special movies that you were seeing. And as you became a filmmaker um, yourself, did Ray's work influence your um, body of work in any, in any fashion across the years, or was it more just a, a memory from your childhood? No, later when I started to do, like, movies for the Science Fiction Channel, where I did Pterodactyl and Lost Colony, I just did Poseidon Rex and these films. Yeah, then I, you know, especially that Beast with 20,000 Fathoms and his other movies, you know, I used, like, thoughts of those films when I made these new pictures. So you really tapped into those strong memories from from growing up. Yes, for sure. 
And as we look forward, we are looking towards celebrating Ray's centenary in 2020 because Ray would have been 100 in the year 2020 and we're looking to celebrate that in a big fashion. How important do you think that filmmakers such as Ray Harryhausen are remembered in, in this day and age in the 21st century? I think they're like some of the most important you know, movies and the way he did the effects and how he did them is so unique. You know, I did. I bought the book years ago when it came out, the film fantasy book of Ray Harryhausen's scrapbook. You know, so that was many years ago, right? And so I think filmmakers today are in awe of Ray Harryhausen. He has many, many fans in the industry. So it'd be a very important event. And just one last question. What is your favorite Ray Harryhausen creation of all the creatures he made throughout years? Which one stands out most in your head? Well, I have to say the the seventh voyage of Sinbad, the different various creatures in the Cyclops was like something, because I saw, what year did that movie come out? 1958. In 1958, when I saw that Cyclops, I was like, oh my God, I was like 12 years old. You know, and that movie was made such an impression. It was so amazing at the time. So was Mysterious Island, too. That was an amazing movie back then. That claw creature and all these kind of things, yeah. And of course, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad was the first color stop motion picture, so I can imagine what an effect that would have had. After. No, I mean, it was amazing. Like, and it was just unbelievable. Then even more, more, a bigger impression than later these CGI movies. When you see them, you don't have that same feeling. At that time, these were so amazing. And Mighty Joe Young, because King Kong was one of my favorites. So when then Mighty Joe Young came out, that was you know, an amazing movie. And I later actually met the actress in there because she was Howard Hughes' girlfriend at one time. Oh, really? Did you speak about Mighty Joe Young with yeah. her? with Terry Moore because her, her son was an actor in one of my films. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing okay. your memories with us, Mark. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. I'll be back, Benny. The thing that most surprised me about Mark Lester was... Um, because you have this persona, don't you, of, of, of Hollywood directors and Hollywood producers. What a really lovely man he was. He was, as you can tell from Connor's interview, he was, he's quite softly spoken. He had a great sense of humour. And we were very lucky to, to go out with him uh, for dinner, didn't we, Connor, on, uh, on one of the very last nights of the festival. Yep, a real lovely man, and as I said before, he he approached us when he when he realised that we were from the Ray Harryhausen Foundation. He came to speak to us and just to share his memories uh, about watching these films growing up. So it was fantastic to to spend some time with him, uh, to be able to go to dinner with him and just listen to his, some of his fantastic memories. Because you know these people who have directed such influential films, really being able to listen to them chat and reminisce is. A unique experience and it's something that I'm very grateful for. Now the main star guest of the festival, it wasn't you or me Connor, how is that the case? We need to speak to our agents, how is it not the case that we weren't the biggest stars at that festival? Um, I think we were perhaps the uh, you know the the, uh, the the lesser of the stars but um, we still twinkled brightly but the major major star in all seriousness was film director and legendary iconic um, all-round storyteller John Landis who will know from Animal House, American Werewolf in London, Michael Jackson's Thriller, The Blues Brothers, Trading Places, Coming to America, and so on and so on. Spies Like Us, great movie. Um, so 
a wonderful person, a great friend of Ray Harryhausen's, because when John was filming American Werewolf in London, in London, in 1981, he would visit Ray down at Pinewood Studios and saw him doing some of the incredible animation work on Pegasus with all the wires. So both making classic monster movies. I know Ray doesn't like the term monster. Creature features is probably best. But both very iconic, both in their 35th anniversary year. American Werewolf in London getting a a second Blu-ray release. How many Blu-ray releases can you have? But apparently more than one because it's been newly restored. It's been scanned in 4K. And I chatted with John Landis all about his work, his relationship with Ray Harryhausen, the new 4K scan of American Werewolf in London. And all of that's going to be coming in a future episode. But um, we've got something quite tantalising with uh, John Landis now to tease the audience with something very, very exclusive that has never, ever been heard before. Isn't that right, Connor? Yes, John Landis was able to record a commentary with Ray Harryhausen for the classic film Mighty Joe Young. And isn't it right, John, that when you asked John if he would record a commentary for one of Ray's films, he he asked specifically for Mighty Joe Young because it's one of his favourites growing up. Uh, I think they called it the Million Dollar Movie, the, the film that was on TV five times in a week, and, and John would just watch it over and over and over again as a young man. Um, he and Ray obviously went on to become fantastic friends, uh, long, lifelong friends, and uh, listening to these clips, you can tell that they had a, a really strong friendship, the, a lot of humour, uh, a lot of happy memories together, and it's a, it's a real pleasure to share this exclusive clip from them watching Mighty Joe Young together. Here's the kind of movie you're waiting to see as John Ford and Miriam C. Cooper present Mighty Joe Young, whose sensational exploits will startle you, thrill you, electrify you with hair-raising excitement and suspense. This is one of my favorites. You know, in, in Los Angeles, actually in the United States, the RKO television stations was Channel 9 in New York City, Channel 9 in L.A., and I don't know what the locals were. It was like in 16 or 20 some cities across America. They were the local stations. They would have programming in the 50s and 60s called Million Dollar Movie. Do you remember that? I remember that, yeah. And the Million Dollar Movie, the programming was every night at 8 o'clock would be the same movie for a week, plus twice on Saturday and Sunday. (laughs) So my generation... Uh, we literally, I was born in 1950, so all of us, I mean, Joe Dante in New Jersey would watch the New York station. Me in California would watch the L.A. station, but people all across the country. We would watch these movies, and they would be movies like Mighty Joe Young. Um, They would show tons (laughs) of fantasy pictures, and Frank, you know, the universal horror pictures, and we'd, we'd see, and we'd memorize them. We would know the entire dialogue from the movies. I must have seen this movie 75 times by the time I was 12. I love this picture. <laughs> is it true you actually played the off-camera baby gorilla? For no. The, no. <laughs> you really, John? <laughs> so tell us, now, where were you set up? Were you, did, did you have well, a stage? I was, I was on a stage. This was shot in Africa, too. No, I, no but for yeah. your work, was it on a stage at RKO? Oh, yeah. No, down in Culver City. In Culver City? Yeah. At, at what studio? The, this is the Selznick studio. Oh, at the old Culver City studio. Yeah. So they made Gone with that the was, Wind. That was, well, that and was... And King Kong. And <laughs> King Kong. And Most Dangerous Game. Right. Uh, I shot some of Three Amigos at that studio. <laughs> I did. But now, what, tell me, so you you, st- you were 
Willis O'Brien's assistant, but you weren't hired specifically for this movie, were you? You were hired just to work with Willis O'Brien by O'Brien? By O'Brien. Yeah. Well, he got Cooper to buck, put me on. We were on a retaining feeds for almost two years. You know, it's so extraordinary when you have a movie called Mighty Joe Young or King Kong or whatever, you know, whenever the monster is the lead character. Mm. I mean, they're the most important element in the movie. If they don't work, the movie doesn't work. And it's incredible to me they didn't. Well, but they they approved all the yeah, but that, drawings. Uh, the boys in the back room were always not credited very much. <laughs> well, I you was got, one of the boys in the back room. But you got quite a big credit. It said first. Yes. Tech. But when I did the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, I insisted on a single credit. It's a it's a good movie. I actually think I this is a smart now. and well made picture. Mighty Joe Young, the picture that's alive with the most sensational action thrills ever filmed. Mightier than King Kong, Mighty Joe Young. How fantastic. Two very distinctive American voices there, Ray's voice and, and John Landis's voice. And interesting, what ties both of these great filmmakers together is another well-known American, Mr. Rick Baker. Because, of course, a young Rick Baker contacted Ray Harryhausen to talk about mask designs and makeup effects and monsters and creatures. And, of course... Uh, John and Rick sailed towards an Academy Award for their groundbreaking work on American Werewolf in London. And Rick's gone on to win many more Oscars since then. So interesting, isn't it, Connor, that um, these, these, these wheels within wheels, how people are, are connected through their, their interest of filmmaking or monsters, or in John's case, gorillas, because he had, a, of course, a gorilla film, Schlock, and then he had a, a marvellous gorilla in, um, in Trading Places as well. Um, so it's, it's fascinating, isn't it, all of these, these sort of Harryhausen connections. Yes, to be honest, as you've probably heard throughout this interview, it's rare to find a filmmaker or actor or similar who doesn't have memories of Ray Harryhausen. And across the course of the last two episodes, we've we've encountered people from quite unexpected backgrounds who were happy to share their memories of watching Ray's films growing up. And, uh, of course, John Landis is, is one of the most notable. But that Rick Baker mask that you talk about, that's still contained within Ray's archive. We have some fantastic pictures of it. I'll be sure to share it uh, once this podcast is released because it's what a unique artefact to have a young, up-and-coming special effects and and creature creator writing to his hero sending him a copy of a tribute to the seventh voyage of sinbad and that still to be contained within the archive we'll need to put some pictures of it online because it's it's something very special to behold okay well thank you very much for joining us on this special um film festival episode we have more film festivals coming up in the year and uh we'll certainly let you know when they're on and more screenings and until next time keep watching Copyright in the Ray Harryhausen podcast is owned by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, a registered Scottish charity, number SC001419, 2016. This recording may not be reproduced in whole or in part without written permission from the Foundation. The views expressed within these podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of the Foundation, its trustees or employees. For further terms and conditions, please contact us at rayharryhausen.com where you can also find our Facebooks and Twitter links.